Hello friends, uh, it's your friendly neighborhood Greg, and uh, I'm not in your neighborhood anymore. Uh, welcome to SoCal Stories Road Trip Edition. I am coming to you from a lovely Motel 6 in Flagstaff, Arizona, uh, because I just spent the last, oh my goodness, like eight or nine hours on the road. Uh, I traveled from my sweet home um, of Los Angeles, California. Hey guys, miss you already. Um, and I'm taking a road trip. Uh, I've decided to go back to visit my family. I'm sort of recalibrating my life yet again, cause you know, can't keep anything the same for very long here, uh, it seems. But I kind of wanted to just sort of kick this whole thing off by saying that the next couple of uh, weeks, I'll probably be releasing podcasts maybe even every day. I'm not really sure what I want to do right now, um, but I'll just be releasing them as I make them. And I just want to sort of give you my thoughts about, you know, the country that I'm traveling through and uh, maybe give you some interesting, like, in bits of information. Who knows? I don't know. I'm just going to try this out. It's sort of a space for me to explore and see what it is I want to talk about. Um, I hope you like it. And I guess here we go, because I wanted to sort of discuss the Mojave Desert, because my first stop, um, it's right now 7 a.m. And like I said, I'm in a Motel 6 in uh, Flagstaff, Arizona. Uh, the reason I'm here is that I wanted to go visit the Grand Canyon. So it's 7 a.m. and I am going to be heading out to the Grand Canyon here in a few, maybe an hour or so. I don't know. I'm still figuring out my plans for the day. But uh, just to sort of cover what I, the trip yesterday, um, I started out in Los Angeles uh, and um, went straight east, basically, almost uh, east and north. Los Angeles is actually pretty far south from the Grand Canyon, so I actually had to go up north, and I'm going to be going back down south because I'm going to be heading to San Antonio. So I kind of a detour, but I think it's probably the best reason to have a detour in the world is to go see one of the greatest features, one of the greatest natural features of the world is this Grand Canyon, this, this historic, prehistoric place. Um, and that's something that I, I really found to be fascinating as I, as I drove through the desert is when you hear scientists talk about the time scales of the, the, the formation of the earth, our long, long timeline of prehistory before humans became the predominant species on the planet. And they talk about the the stratifications and the layers and how each layer represents a a different like epoch in in the world right and i'm driving through there looking at these beautiful reliefs from these gorgeous cliffs and plateaus and mountains that somehow seem to stretch straight into the sky and look more like a painting sometimes than real life it is amazing to drive through the Arizona desert at night. It is as if you have been taken to some strange world that does not support life. And yet, 
here you are standing, or in my case, driving through this vast land of minerals, this vast land of rock and dirt and brush fire. <laughs> and you, I felt so small compared to it all. So I went to the Wagon Wheel restaurant. Uh, it's in Needles, California. It was where I uh, was, I needed to fuel up on gas. And honestly, the only other option was a Subway restaurant. And I wasn't about that life. I was not about that life. Uh, so I went to the Wagon Wheel and I, I knew ahead of time I probably shouldn't have gone. Uh, it's a, no, it, not that it's not got some very delicious food. I'm sure that most people would really enjoy going there. The only thing they really had for me was a veggie burger and fries. And I was like, that's mildly disappointing that you aren't sort of catering to a more health conscious and well, not, not that a, a veggie burger is necessarily health conscious, but like a more vegetarian friendly option it just seems like that should be part of a good business practice anymore is to sort of you sell food you should be more inclusive with your with for people with dietary restrictions um so there is there is meat beyond meat and they cut their own steaks in-house is what she said to me and she was very specific about that and it made me laugh a little bit and then she said uh absolutely get the mashed potatoes and gravy because they're the best but i don't get mashed potatoes and gravy from restaurants because i don't care how good you make them you're not gonna make them as good as my mom makes mashed potatoes um because mashed potatoes need to have little chunks in them. I'm sorry. I know everyone thinks that mashed potatoes are supposed to be these like creamy, perfectly like fluffy, no tech, like almost no texture at all, right? It's just like a fluffy cloud that you put in your mouth that's full of potato. But really the good stuff is when you have those tiny little chunks of like unmashed potato inside your mashed potato and then you got to season it properly and honestly no one ever uses enough salt or butter or milk they don't make it taste good enough for regular like it's just uh, to me mashed potatoes most of the time are bland but when they're made homemade fresh and they are like made the way that i'm used to having them and i know it's my own personal preference but like when they're made the way I make them, they're just better. Granted, it's probably not worth the effort, but if they make their own um, mashed potatoes uh, and if she's that encouraging of it, I'm passing the recommend on to you and saying, go ahead and try the mashed potatoes. I loved their fries. Their fries were perfect. They were like just perfectly like crisp on the outside and then you bit into them and they were soft on the inside and they even had like a little bit of a limp you know ness to them not so crispy that they're like angry they're not angry fries they're like very nice steak fries and you know steak fries are the easiest thing to get right i think 
but when you do them really, really well, it's it's noticeable. And they did it very, very well. Like it was it was perfectly crisp, light and fluffy on the inside, amazing. The veggie burger was actually pretty decent. I mean, I it's a, I don't believe that they made it in house. It's not like it's a quinoa burger that they hand form for you. Um, it was just some veggie patty that they bought on Aramark, I'm guessing, uh, which is fine. I mean, like those aren't bad. And if you add fresh vegetables and a good bun and uh, they had a, like a, I think it's like a special sauce. Like it's the, it was basically like ketchup, mustard and relish all like just not ketchup, mustard and relish, ketchup, mayo and relish um, just like mixed up. Pretty much. So it was, but it was still good. It, it added to the whole overall effect. Um, and then I got a Mountain Dew. I haven't had a Mountain Dew in so long. So long. Mostly because they're terrible for you. They're full of sugar. They have, they don't really actually have that much more caffeine in them, but like it's still not something you should be doing on a regular basis. But part of me was like, I won't be a kid and have like a big giant, um, uh, Fountain Mountain Dew. And here's the thing. Fountain Mountain Dews are actually better because they contain more of the, uh, the, um, soda water in them. It's more carbonated and, uh, it makes it a little less sweet or it makes, it makes it not so sweet that it tastes, it doesn't taste syrupy. That's what I'm going for. Cause I think like if you get a Mountain Dew from a can, it's not bad. Like I don't, I like Mountain Dew. Like I, I enjoy it. I've always enjoyed it. Uh, I kind of stopped drinking it for a while because it's just so sugary, but they have those new Mountain Dew things that are like the Mountain Dew whatevers that are supposed to be energy drinks. Um, and they have, they have far fewer calories. So, uh, super down for those new things. But I had like the traditional one and I was like, I remember why I liked this as a kid. I think I like the fountain drinks better than just the regular canned ones though. So that's, that's, a uh, that's something that I learned. So what am I doing today? Today I am going to head to the Grand Canyon. Uh, it is probably about, oh, I don't know, maybe an hour away from here, uh, to go in. By the way, when you go to the Grand Canyon, if you go to the Grand Canyon, make sure to get a park pass. I was looking it up online and they were like, oh, by the way, you're gonna have to pay $30. And if you haven't already, or if it's $35 for a car, um, you can do one where it's just you and you like get off and take a tram and it's cheaper, but honestly, $35 for a car and you can, and it covers everyone in the car. But honestly, $35 for just a car is not too bad. Like you can fit everyone in the car, it's a pass for the car. Um, and then you can just drive around the Grand Canyon, take a look at it and um, I will be taking lots of photos and I'll probably have an update tonight about them. So uh, I will let you guys know when that happens. Part D of the Grand Canyon trip. So, 
I am currently in El Paso, Texas. Uh, it's been a few days since Grand, since being at the Grand Canyon. And the only reason that is is because, like, I would have recorded sooner. Um, but I can't really record on the road because it, my phone just sounds like a jangly... It just... No good. You don't want to hear that audio. So, um... I, the day of the Grand Canyon trip was actually a day that I did a 14 hour drive, which was just not a good idea. But I mean, like I got to go see the Grand Canyon, so who can really complain that much? But like, just plan better. There's, I stayed the night in Flagstaff, Arizona and it was like 30 degrees. And also Flagstaff is a couple, like it's like an hour and a half away from, from the actual Grand Canyon. And that's perfectly fine. I had, I got there at like 1030 at night. So it's, it's obviously perfectly fine. I did not have, I could not have gone any further at that point, but 14 hours on the road is just too many hours to be on the road. So, and I can't really record the podcast in the car because it just, the sound doesn't work really well. It's too, too much vibrations happening all over the place. Uh, so, uh, I am currently in a Motel 6 in El Paso, Texas, uh, and coming to you from beautiful El Paso, Texas, actually. Uh, but let's talk about the Grand Canyon for a little bit. Um, I don't want to be the person that, like, rags on one of the greatest wonders of the world. But I was a little unimpressed. Um, that's a bold statement, I guess. But really what it is, is that like, I mean, you've seen the Grand Canyon. It's like so iconic, right? And there's so many beautiful places in the Grand Canyon, but they're inside the actual canyon. And and my trip, it, as as great of a trip as it was, and I would totally recommend doing it, if you're going to be going to the Grand Canyon, though, like, if that's going to be your trip, like, this is a road trip. I'm heading back to my family to, like, be with them for a little while. And so the Grand Canyon was just something that was not even really that on the way, but it was something that I wanted to go and, like, experience for myself because it is one of the greatest wonders of the world, and I'm going fairly close by it. So I should probably, you know, take the chance when I take the opportunities when they come. But I was kind of underwhelmed, honestly. It was all of the Southwest that I have driven through, and I have driven through a lot of it so far, um, is just gorgeous. It is just some of the most beautiful scenery you will ever see. The, it's this barren desert and yet still full of beauty and life. Like it has the drought resistant flora of the place is so unique and textured and interesting. And I found that as I was driving, every 30 minutes or so, something new would be there. There'd be something new and interesting, a different rock formation, some new like trees or cactuses or, or pine trees, forests. You're going through just such an ever-changing landscape. And when you actually, like even the rocks themselves are so interesting because what you get to see is this beautiful, you get to see geologic time. You get to see the 
the time scale of the earth, really. Because, and this is something that's interesting. When you go to the Grand Canyon, there's a visitor center, and inside the visitor center, there's a little, like, uh, video that's just on loop, and, and there's a room you can go and you can just watch the video, and it sort of tells you about the formation of the Grand Canyon. But it also kind of explains a lot of the Southwest's topographical features, because what has happened here in this Southwest area is that for a very, very long time, it was very stable. And there was, you know, sediments being laid down one after the other through uh washes of water coming through and, and depositing these minerals, right? And so you see these beautiful lines in the in the mountains. You see these beautiful long giant striations of of red and white and beige and it's just so it looks like it was painted to be that way. And in some cases when you are far enough away from the mountains and they sort of, especially at twilight, when the mountains are blue and the sky is just a slightly different shade of blue, it looks like you're inside a painting. It really does. And that is a beautiful thing. But that is all of the Southwest. You can see that all over. So when I went to the Grand Canyon, it was a beautiful thing and it was a great moment. And and there are some really amazing things that I think I got from it. But in the end, I was a little underwhelmed because I felt like I had seen all of this beauty already. Like there's so much beauty in this, in this area that to say that the Grand Canyon is the main feature, okay, sure. But like, there's so much out there. So don't necessarily think of the Grand Canyon as the one and only place to to see something that beautiful because you're really getting that the whole trip. So if you do plan on coming, I would say give it a week and actually go inside the canyon because what I did was I uh, drove up 64 uh, from Flagstaff. 64 is the, the U.S. Route 64 uh, and it goes straight to the Grand Canyon. Like you just keep driving forever, for hours. You just drive straight towards it. Um, and so I, I got there, I parked, I, the, oh, parking. Oh my goodness. It was a Thursday. I was like, there's not going to be anyone here. People have to work. They're not here. I was wrong. Every parking lot was full. I found one place, like four parking lots down from where the main parking lot is. And it was like the only space I had seen the whole time. Like it's not, no, it's crazy parking. And then I heard someone say that 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 day was the busiest day they had had all year. And I was like, it's Thursday. I thought I had planned it guys, I did. But there were so many people. Like the main lookout point, which is a really gorgeous lookout point because it juts kind of far out into the canyon. and it's right behind the visitor center, so it's where everyone sort of is funneled to eventually. Uh, it was just so packed that you really couldn't get to like the edge of the like you couldn't get to the railing without like having to go through a crowd. You had to wait. And while it's a canyon, like you walk ten feet and you're at another edge of the canyon, like it that was still also busy. There were just so many people, and I think one of the neat things that I I, I found was that like. Yeah, it's a tourist spot, but like, there's so many different types of people that are there. 
that are all here to experience the same thing and all here to have a moment with nature, with the earth and experiencing something that you really only get to, you know, not everyone gets to experience being at the Grand Canyon. And, and so for people to put so much value in nature what, and for so many different types of people, different languages, different nationalities, different ethnicities, everyone was there. And they were all there. We were all there for the same thing, to just celebrate the beauty of our world. And that is an experience that really makes you feel like there might be hope in the world sometimes, right? Like, yeah, everyone had a selfie stick, but that's just what everyone has, right? Like, that's just life. People made active decisions. Literally thousands of them did that day, I think. Make active decisions to go and experience nature and hopefully come back changed, right? Like, come back as more Earth-conscious people. Because we need to save this planet and we have so little time to do it that just the little things like that are, are inspirational to me, but we need to, we need to build on those things as a society and, and really remember that the earth is not ours, it is its own thing and that we need to be trying to take care of it. Um, so it was just such a, it, that was a great experience and, and for that I am forever thankful. Uh, so anyway, I, went to the Grand Canyon, took a bunch of pictures. You'll see them on my Instagram. Please, you know, check it out, whatever. Uh, and then I got back in my car and I took, uh, I was going to go back down 64 South. So it's 64 North and I was just going to go South, but 64 East. I, so no cell service, by the way, there's just like been zero cell service pretty much throughout. Um, so I didn't have a map coming back. I was like, I guess I'll just retrace my steps, I suppose. Um, but I saw this thing and it said 64 East and I was like, it's 64, it's East and it definitely follows the South Rim. And I'm so glad that I took that that road because what happens is, is that, you know, the visitor center and about a mile and a half is about as far as you're really gonna get um around the visitor center area so if you want to explore more of the canyon you do kind of have to drive and 64 east just follows the south rim uh almost to the end and then it like sort of diverges off and that's when i started heading down to roswell uh by the way i went to roswell new mexico i feel so, i'm so disappointed in myself because i thought oh i'll have some time to like check out the place no not at all i didn't get there until it was like 10 30 at night and then because I wanted to be in El Paso today, well, actually, I wanted to be in El Paso yesterday, I had to leave at, like, insanely early in the morning. And so I didn't even get to check it out. But I feel like I, I feel like I get to say that I've been to Roswell, but I don't really get to say I've been to Roswell, New Mexico. Um, one thing I will say about Roswell, New Mexico, is I understand why they make up stuff about being visited by aliens because that place is the most remote place I have ever been to. Like I drove, it's flat desert for literally hundreds of miles. Just, just a 
full eye view of nothing. Like, and when it started getting dark, you literally can't see any of the the actual, like, surroundings anymore, really. You're just sort of in this inky black pool of nothingness. And honestly, if I was there all the time and had nothing better to do, I'd start making up stories, right? Um, not that they're necessarily made up. I don't know. I'm not going to, like, go into conspiracy theories here, but I could definitely see why someone would make up stories about being visited by aliens because... I would get bored, honestly, I think. Um, but the nice thing was that when I stopped by the, the motel, they had, uh, they, they're all into it, I think. I mean, even the sign for Roswell, New Mexico has like a saucer disc lighting it up, making it look like it's being abducted. Like, it's adorable. I really wish I had gotten a chance to like go to some museums and stuff. And mm, I feel like I'm going to have to come back here because there are many things I want to come back and revisit. Um, and that sort of brings me to El Paso. Uh, so I got here to El Paso, um, and I was able to meet up with, uh, some folks at the Borderland Rainbow Center. And the reason I want to bring them up right now is that I want you to go donate to them. Uh, I got to meet with, um, Brenda. She's one of the, she's like the main person. She basically built the whole thing and she's, an amazing person. She is a social worker and she really cares and she cares about doing things right and she cares about doing things efficiently and, and professionally and it, of all of the LGBT organizations that I've interacted with, she seems like someone who really is 100% for it. Like, she is hyper-focused and cares very deeply about the crisis that there is um, of homelessness and homeless LGBT people here in El Paso. But more than that, she cares about El Paso. She wants to make this a better place for people. And so I want to support her and I want you guys to support her. So I've put a link in the description. And if you have even $1, I want you to give them your dollar because they do more good. They, they, are, they are serving uh, the highest needs, right? Like they are there in the trenches fighting the good fight, you guys. Um, it is borderlandrainbow.org. And I definitely want to come back and, and do a, a lot more in-depth interview there so that I can really give you better perspective because I don't have as good of a perspective as they do. And they are doing really the work that is, they are putting themselves on the line for our refugees, for our, for those people who are stuck in a, in a, system that does not want them and that wants to spit them out into nothingness. They wish that they didn't exist, right? Like these are people that are being captured by ICE agents and then just dumped on the sides of highways. Like it's insane some of the things that I heard and I just, I, I feel like 
yes, there are great LGBT organizations to give to, but if you feel like you really want to contribute on a, on a small scale local level, you need to be giving to this organization. They're doing good work. And I'm actually going to end the podcast there because I want that to be the last thing that is said. Go help them out. Borderlandrainbow.org. 